This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. This is Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Well, Liverpool's path to number seven outlined with a Ramos revenge mission in Mohamed Salah's sights before a potential 2005 Champions League semi-final repeat with Chelsea prior to, that's right, an Istanbul final. Well, Champions League draw reaction to come here on the podcast as well as trying to work out just why Gareth Southgate decided to drop Trent Alexander-Arnold. To get into all of that, we have our chief Liverpool writer, Ian Doyle, Joe Rimmer and David Lynch. But Doyley, first up, Let's leave the, the Champions League draw for a moment. Big week for the Blood Red podcast because we made the chase last week. Your reaction on that? Yeah, I'm very, very, very disappointed that the contestant in question got the uh, got the answer wrong. I mean, basically, it was it was ultimately down to to two, wasn't it? Blood Red. You could have chosen Liverpool or Manchester United. They being the main two prominent teams in England that play in red, and um, basically anybody else just doesn't doesn't really matter, as you know, guy. Uh, so for, for them to <laughs> for them to get that wrong, I, I, I you know, let's be honest, I I, uh, I do suspect that whoever writes the questions for the chase has got to be a Liverpool fan because there's been one or two rather random. I'm sure Lynchy will, will pick up in a minute on, on one. There's been one or two questions where you think, hang on a minute, you've got to be, you have to be like listening or reading stuff that these journalists are, are writing. So, uh, so yeah, interesting. At least we've got one one listener. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to whichever researcher on the chase it is that that listens in. We've, we've made the big time. We're, we're looking for a prime time next. Maybe uh, who wants to be a millionaire? I know the other way around. The chase just got mentioned on the Blood Red podcast, so the chase has made the big time. I think you'll find. That's yeah. Time. yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's very, very Right, in terms of today, though, Champions League reaction, Real Madrid to come in the the quarterfinals. Doyle, I'll come back to you, and uh, well, I suppose. Quarterfinal and semi-final draw. Was it best case scenario that played out for Liverpool today? Uh, I, I think I would probably say that the three teams that they've in that half of the draw, that is the best they could possibly have got. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. I think we've said quite a few times, in fact, we said the last time we did the podcast that none of us who mentioned at the time expected Liverpool to get through whoever they drew in this round. So I think we, we don't need to go into the reasons why that is. But for Liverpool to get Real Madrid, it's, it's definitely a tie that they can win, certainly over two legs. Um, you, you mean you take out the Anfield factor? That's a blow for Liverpool. But then Real Madrid aren't even playing the games of the Bernabeu, are they? Um, I think Real have done a bit better this season than perhaps I think people realise when they just look at the the table in the Liga. The, the third, they're only six points behind Atletico, who quite clearly have hit some kind of problems as they get towards the line with the way that they lost against Chelsea. They've had one or two iffy results in in Spain as well, so it's not over there. The interesting thing when I was looking at a bit a bit of research on on Real is that. Benzema has got takes 21 goals this season. The next top scorer is Casemiro, who's a defensive midfielder with six. He just don't seem to score many goals. And I know Eden Hazard, he's looks like he's not going to be playing either of the games because I think he's going to be out for the, they reckon that the season could even be the Euros with these ankle problems. He's not really been a success there. Um, so basically Liverpool's task would probably be to, to get a grip of Benzema and then see where they go from there. So ultimately it may just come down to that. But I think Liverpool will fancy the chances, as you say. It was it next next round after that, Chelsea or Porto. I think Porto were the team that most people wanted to, to be paired against. And, you know, at least if, if it's Chelsea, then you know, Liverpool will know exactly what to, to expect and they'll they'll know where they can improve because they only you know they only played them a couple of weeks ago. So overall it's it's probably it's given 
it's probably given the, the players, the fans, actually a little bit of a, a bit of a boost because they think, well, hang on, we can actually do something here if we if we put our minds to it. So, in that sense, you know, just watching somebody open some plastic balls has actually ended up being quite a good thing for Liverpool. No, definitely, uh, Joe. Does it? Do you think maybe switch the the focus and the attention now all on to the Champions League, or do you think that would have been the case already? Yeah, I think so. I think it would have been the case already. Um, I think it's a good draw because I think the nice thing about Real Madrid is there's someone that you you feel like you can beat. But whatever type of Real Madrid team you beat, they're still Real Madrid, aren't they? You know, so you know if you they're not the Real Madrid that they once were, but and they're not even the Real Madrid that, that beat Liverpool in, in Kiev. And we we all thought that was a team sort of on the wane, but this one. I don't think is quite as good as that team. So I think Liverpool can beat them. The only times I've really seen this season, I saw the couple of Shakhtar games. And I remember in particular the one Shakhtar won at Real Madrid. They totally dismantled them in the first half. So I think Liverpool will fancy their chances. Obviously, they'll hope to um, you know, not, not suffer any more injuries and whatnot. But I think Liverpool will fancy their chances going forward against Real Madrid. And as, as Doyle said, if they can keep Benzema quiet, they'll be in decent shape. So, yeah, I think it's a good draw. And I think it's the sort of draw that if you get past Real Madrid, then that can give you confidence because everyone that you meet in the semi-final, you know, Chelsea and Porto, it's probably the, the nicest of the other quarter-finals to be drawn against in the semi. So, yeah, I'm pretty pleased with it. And I think most Liverpool fans are. Yeah, looking at all of the other sides in the, the hat for the quarter-final, David, Liverpool sort of had good European history, certainly in, in, even in recent times against all of them. We think sort of Dortmund five years ago in the Europa League, PSG in the group phase, beating Bayern a couple of years ago, as well as Manchester City as well. Real Madrid sort of seems to be the one team that Liverpool have revenge that they, they need to get off their chests, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I thought uh, Joe's point there about the idea that when the two teams met in Kiev, it was uh, sort of you felt like Real Madrid were on the way down. And I think that was a feeling that, that Liverpool had, that the two sides were going in different directions. And this was their moment to sort of make the point about that. And obviously, we know how that went. Um, you know, Salah going off injured early on, you know, in amongst all the mistakes that were made by the goalkeeper, I think that, that was probably the key decisive moment in that game. I don't think Liverpool looked in it from that point onwards. So, so yeah, they, they will have revenge on their minds. And I think, I think they'll want to sort of hammer home the point that that, that was being made at the time that, that these are two sides going in different directions still that Real Madrid don't look like they've recovered particularly from from losing the, some of the stars that were involved in that team or some of them getting to a certain age and, and Liverpool I know this season has, has gone terribly because of injuries in, in part but I still think they're in you know they're improving under Klopp in terms of where the club is at and, and how things are looking at it, the squad as a whole so I think they'll want to, yeah, they'll want to get revenge. They'll want to make that point and, and hammer home that Real Madrid aren't what they were. And I think it, I, one thing that has sort of slightly surprised me since looking at the draw and, and this perception that Real Madrid are on the wane slightly is that they haven't actually lost a game since 30th of January against Levante, which which sort of surprised me. But I still I still stick by the idea that they, they are less convincing because some of those have been draws. They've been tight 1-0 wins. As Doyle touched on, they don't score a lot of goals. So I think... I think Liverpool are coming up against a very different Real Madrid to the, the one they faced in Kiev, and they'll they'll think even with the issues they've got at centre half that they can they can put in performance over the two legs, that will be enough to get them through. 
Yeah, as you say, the run beaten in in their last nine games, they've won seven of them. In fact, they got sixteen wins in the last twenty-two. So maybe perhaps not the the weakest Real Madrid is maybe what we're, we're sort of thinking. But Doily, there is definitely going to be revenge in the mind of Mohamed Salah, isn't there? Up against Sergio Ramos, that's going to be one of the biggest sort of narratives and talking points ahead of these two games, isn't it? It will be, yeah. Which is why we've already written about it. Um, but, <laughs> but the uh, the the thing about that is, forget what happened in 2018. Salah's got 25 goals this season. Ramos has just come back from an injury, and he's their, still their best defender, and he's their captain. It would still be the big battle anyway, regardless of whether anything had happened in the past. So you'd be looking at this as being a key part of the game. I mean, obviously, the thing with Liverpool now is, you know, it's it's interesting that there's so many subplots. I mean, I think Klopp's played against Real more than any other team in or you know he's managed up against them more than any other team in European competition he's had some good wins and as we know from 2018 some not so great great results um it will as i said before i think it'll come down to how liverpool's defense copes because i think normally you'd think with real madrid they'd go on the attack against any team they go on the attack against liverpool and i wonder whether or not they'll actually do it this time because of the you know they've got they don't got a lot of injuries but they've had one or two injuries in attacking positions it's whether or not they feel that's well, if they've got any sense, they'll think that's the best way to beat Liverpool is to not bother trying to get at them and just let's see what Liverpool can do and, and you know burn themselves out. But you know, with the first leg being at wherever the wherever it is that Real Madrid play these days, it's not the Bernabeu, is it? Um, is it the training so, ground? Is it the, is it the training ground? Yeah, is it the, well, ideal because these are just basically competitive training games, aren't they? So you know, that's, that, that's possibly what every club should have done. Although, imagine how windy it would have been at Kirby for all the games. Yeah, no, it is a mini stadium, isn't it, it's, that, that they have there at their training ground. It's not just one of the random training pitches they have. Don't ruin it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I... Well, of course, the other the other complication. I know I know what Joe said before about yeah, it's all you know Liverpool going for the Champions League. They only play one game in in between the two legs. There's only one game. They might be out by then, so I'm not sure it's so much that at the moment. It will be interesting to see who Liverpool pick against Villa in the Villa in the game in between, isn't it? Um, but they've got Barcelona, so whether that has an impact, ultimately, it's gonna it's gonna come down to that first leg, whether Liverpool can get a result, and what is it? We're still three three weeks off that, but. You know, I think Liverpool will take heart from the fact that they'll know this is a game that if they play well in, they have a chance of winning. Was it just the draw, Joe, that Liverpool needed as well? Even the fans sort of needed that kind of pick-me-up just to inject a bit of life and possibility back into what could be achieved this season. I'm just thinking if sort of Bayern or PSG had come out, we all would have been here going, oh, it's the worst possible draw. But it just sort of reinvigorates the season for the supporters. Absolutely, yeah. That's why I think it's good that it is Real Madrid because you've still got that name value, but they're not quite, you know, as as good as they once were. And I think if you get Porto, all right, you know, most people going into it said, "Oh, we want Porto" because it, it seems like the most straightforward draw. But Real Madrid just, you know, there's that history and the glamour about it. So I do think it is a pick me up for Liverpool. Um, it's obviously not going to be the same because of the, the the lack of fans. So you know. These European nights usually were great pick-me-ups because of the, the way the fans reacted and the atmosphere that you would have. But it's not quite the same because of that. But, you know, I, I think if Liverpool beat Real Madrid, they'll take great confidence from it just because of who they are. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was a great draw in that in that regard. And, you know, and, and, and the semi-finals, it does feel, I know what Donny's saying, you know, that I suppose they're not 
just concentrating on the Champions League because you, you don't concentrate on any one competition, do you? you? Concentrate on them all. But I think Liverpool will see a clear path that they can get through to the final, and they will believe, you know, that they can do it. So if they'd have got, you know, Man City or, or, or Chelsea, then I always think being drawn against an English club makes things slightly more complicated because you know each other so well. And then the other two, Bayern Munich and PSG, as you say, just seem, you know, the, the best two teams in Europe at the moment, along with Man City. So that would have made life a lot more difficult. But I think Real Madrid's a really good draw. Um, and I think Liverpool will be able to take great confidence for it. And I, and I fancy them. I think it's the sort of game I just think Liverpool do win. So. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, on that trajectory point as well that you made before, David, in terms of I'm sort of thinking that the Salah and Ramos rivalry that will get talked up before this game. Ramos now, what, 34, I think he is, and Salah coming into to the peak of his powers. Is there sort of that feeling that if Salah can sort of, I suppose, get the better of Ramos and really sort of tear him, tear away from him and uh, tear into him, that he could sort of begin to write the final chapter for Ramos and have the last laugh? Yeah, well, there's talks, isn't there, about him, him being in... He's sort of in discussions at the moment with Real Madrid about a new contract and obviously they'll still have to offer him ludicrous money and, and whether that's a wise move given the fact that, you know, how long can he play at this top European level that they, they need to be at? Um, and I think, you know, a few clubs across Europe facing decisions like that. I think coming up against someone like Salah, who is undeniably in his peak and is absolutely unbelievable, um, you know, even disregarding all the narrative and the, the Kiev stuff, I think... Will be a decent test of where where Ramos is up to. Is is he you know finally finished at this level? And I think the same maybe goes for you know likes of Tony Kroos in midfield and, and Luka Modric players we were casting doubt over before that game in Kiev. You know they are that couple of years older now, um, so this you know it's a massive test for some of those senior players at Real Madrid, and um, it'd be interesting to see how that one goes. I think you know I think Ramos is a better defender and has been a better defender throughout his career than he's maybe got credit for. I think. In Kiev, particularly after Salah went off, the way he dealt with the rest of the Liverpool attack in that game was sort of, you know, to me as someone who has never watched him particularly closely, you know, just one of those players you're always aware of and you see him in the odd game. But I just thought he was, I thought he was excellent in that game, just never looked out of control and, you know, really just physical strength, good awareness, good pace and, and just a really great defender, to be honest. So just to see if that's lasted this extra couple of years will be, you know, Really interesting to see, and I, I think Mo Salah, to be honest, will be licking his lips at the prospect because I don't. I, I think he'll personally be thinking that he doubts that Ramos has got any better, and, and you know he, he ruined that final for him, didn't he? So um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll be wanting to get on the score sheet in, in both these legs and, and prove a point. Yeah, no, definitely. Doyle, just thinking sort of a German side in the last 16, a, a European giant in the quarters, and perhaps Chelsea in the semi-finals ahead of an Istanbul final. Is it? too romantic to think back to 2005 and that history could repeat itself? Well, Liverpool fans just love the Romans, don't they? I mean, they're always going on about it. I think there was some in 2005, wasn't there, when they went on to, when they went on to win it? There's about a million in 2005. <laughs> 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 2007, there was someone, no, we don't mention them because they got beat in the final. So, <laughs> you know, they just it's just pick and choose, isn't it? I'm not really one. For that kind of thing, although if you read me stuff, you'll probably think that I am. Um, <laughs> but uh, you're about but yeah. to be Dolly. <laughs> yes, yeah, I've seen it all. Um, but yeah, it's Istanbul. Well, the difference is, of course, as we've said, there's no fans there, so there might be some fans at the final, but I don't think it makes any odds. It's just about beating the teams you got to beat. And uh, as we've said a number of times now already on this podcast, Real Madrid are a team that 
because of the players they've got, because of the way that they play. And that little bit of extra edge about what happened in 2018, I think they are a team that Liverpool will think they can beat and will. I know it sounds a bit weird. They'll want to beat. They'll want to beat all the teams, but they'll really want to beat Real Madrid. No, definitely. Just that point you make there about fans and Joe thinking back to 2005 and that Chelsea game, the ghost goal and the, the atmosphere at, at Anfield. I just wonder how much we know, obviously, the semi-final against Barcelona a, a couple of years ago, just how much it means to Liverpool having the fans there. But if Liverpool can get through the quarterfinals, of course, they've got to get past Real Madrid first. But just how different this kind of Champions League run will be for the fans as opposed to the atmosphere that they can generate in certainly the Anfield games. Oh, massively. I think it's always been an advantage for Liverpool, the fans. And, you know, I think it almost sounds like a cliche, doesn't it? But for anyone who's experienced any of those European nights, they'll know full well that it is an advantage for Liverpool when they have the fans in, in Anfield. But I, I, I always think in 2005, it, it was an advantage that they needed. But nowadays, and I know they've had a tough season this year, but I think the team is so much better that I don't necessarily think they need it as much. Um, and, you know, in the Barcelona game, a one-off with them being 3-0 down but you know I don't think this team needs the fans to beat Real Madrid like some of the teams in the past have so it'll be a lot different but you know and that's to be honest that's why I'm, I'm glad they didn't get someone like Man City because I think it would have made life a lot more difficult with for them without fans whereas I think the fans sort of equal that tie up a little bit um, so it'll be a lot different and you know I, I can't really imagine winning the European Cup without hardly any fans there doesn't really feel the same, but but then they, they did the Premier League like that, didn't they? So I think we'd all take it. No, definitely. And kind of on that point, David, and thinking back to those semi-finals of Chelsea in 2005 and 2007, they were kind of era-defining, weren't they? For growing up on that age of football and seeing those kind of games, it it was that exactly that era-defining. And this this year's competition is obviously not gonna not going to have that. No, exa- exactly as you say. I mean, you know, you think how many times Liverpool were playing Chelsea around then as well and, and those games were the biggest ones of the lot and, and you know, to, to see a Liverpool side that, you know, just couldn't quite match Chelsea in the league or, well, couldn't even get close, to be honest, in 2005 and, you know, having that, that Anfield atmosphere and they were, it was just a, they were just iconic games, weren't they? We're not going to get that this time around, although... I still think, you know, there'll be a lot riding on it. You know, we know that fans returning to grounds is around the corner and, and, and hopefully this is the last we see of pandemic football so we can, you know, enjoy it for what it is rather than lamenting what we've lost. And just, you know, I think for, for the two sides, for, for Liverpool going into that, I think that's another one. If, if they can get to that point in the, where they are facing Chelsea in the next round, they would think it's another one where they've probably got a point to prove. I thought, you know, they got taken apart a little bit, didn't they, tactically when they last faced Chelsea. And I don't think that that's a fair reflection of where the two sides are up to, to be honest. I think Liverpool, I don't think Chelsea are streets ahead of, of Liverpool now. They've appointed a new manager. I think I still think they've got massive flaws. I think if anyone's saying that Chelsea can win the Champions League, then definitely Liverpool can as well because the quality of the players, although in central defence, Liverpool have got issues at the moment. I think across the rest of the pitch, Liverpool are right up there with Chelsea. I think they've probably got um, a better squad in, in terms of midfield and, and up front as well. So, um, you know, I think they would quite like to come up against Chelsea and, and prove that point. And I think what Joe says is, is right in the sense that they don't, this team probably doesn't doesn't need the fans to get them over the line. They, they, they're good enough to, to win these games outright against both Real Madrid and Chelsea and Porto if it comes to that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think the fans will, you know, they'll, they'll necessarily miss having the fans there for those games. And I think they'll think 
that they've got enough, enough to, to get through both ties and, and get to the final, which hopefully there would be fans at that and that, you know, that would make it, you know, a little bit more sweet if Liverpool could get there. Chelsea are no Leicester, are they, Lynchy? Well, they, genuinely, no. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think Leicester have got more going forward than, than this Chelsea team does, to be quite honest. I know I'm a massive uh, closet Leicester fan, but I, I, I genuinely, I, I think Chelsea's improvement recently has been impressive in the sense that they are the side who make it difficult for you and they look defensively solid. And, and that's the first thing a manager wants to do when they, when they come in. But I don't think there's a balance there and I don't think they give you enough threat and attack to consistently beat teams over the length of a season. I think that's an issue that, that obviously Tuchel's got, got to solve. And I think if Liverpool came up against them, it would, it would make them feel a little bit better about the tie, knowing that you know their, their biggest issues are in defence, but Chelsea's biggest issues are in attack. So, you know, Liverpool could definitely get past Chelsea, in my opinion. What a prospect that would be. Get past Real Madrid, get past Chelsea and into the final. But just off on a different tangent, just on the, the no-fancing doily, does this Champions League run now offer the opportunity for a moment to kind of be remembered from this season for Liverpool in terms of a positive sense? Because to me, it's felt with, with no fans this season, even across the board, it doesn't kind of have those those moments, those memories. You think Salah last season against Man, Manchester United in front of the cup and everything. It, it just feels as though we've been devoid of that, albeit Liverpool haven't had the, the greatest season up to this point. If they win it, yeah. If they don't win it, no. Simple as that. <laughs> Simple as that. If if they don't win it and they don't win anything, which let's face it, I think if they don't win every single Premier League game and Man City don't lose all of theirs, that's kind of it. Uh, they're not going to win the Premier League. Uh, if they don't win the Champions League this season, it's just there's nothing nothing going for it at all. Just forget it. Sorry. Well, no, it's not. It isn't so much that. It's like it's like okay, 2018. There was the memories of the City game and the Roma game, but why? It wasn't just because they won, because it was the whole atmosphere. And even the City away game was what happened at the away end. Did you see Salah celebrating and you know all of that kind of thing? Do you reckon he goes and does that celebration if there's nobody there in the away end? Of course he doesn't. Do you reckon, do you reckon, do you reckon Messi lifts his, yeah, his shirt up to an empty stadium if he scores against Real Madrid? You know, giving it all this. Oh, there's nobody there. You see, this is a thing, haven't they? Crossing their arms and looking down the camera. They've been. Yeah, well, that's just. that last two, they're too busy playing FIFA, haven't they? Going up to the cameras and stuff like that on that. You know, they need to just grow up a little bit and actually play proper football. But. Uh, what, like you? That's what I to say, says the man who does that. <laughs> yeah, I don't play it anymore. I can never win. It's just too hard. I think I've just got too old. Um, yeah, the fans thing. I do think they have to win it. They have to win it because let's just say that they beat Real Madrid 4-1 at Anfield after losing 2-0 in the away. Like, it'd be a great game, like, but everybody's just watching it at home on telly. It doesn't seem, it's not quite the same. It doesn't matter. You know, even Liverpool's, you know, the rare good results they've had this season, even like Leipzig, it's like it just feels that kind of disconnect because the fans aren't there. So they don't feel involved. So they don't feel as though, I know it sounds a slightly odd thing to say, but if you're there as a fan, you feel as though you can influence the outcome of the game, even though deep down, you know, you know, you're not, you're not scoring the goal, are you? You're not, you're not putting the crosses in or making the tackle, but the players feed off you and you feel as though you can make a difference. And when Klopp comes out and says something like he did after the Barcelona game and says, we'd have had absolutely no chance of winning this game if there'd been nobody in the stadium. You know exactly what he means. And so the, it, the fans all feel as involved, like, well, that was our night. We we did that. Same with the Chelsea game in 2005. And it's not just Liverpool, it's any team. Any team feels exactly the same way. That's why fans are so important. And that's why I'm pretty sure Bayern Munich fans, when they won the Champions League last year, were thinking, great, we've won it, but 
that wasn't as good as when we won it in whenever it was that they won it. 2000 and what was it? When was the last time? 2013. 13 when they beat Dortmund because they were. I should have remembered that because I was there for that one. But you know, so so yeah, I think Liverpool would have to win the Champions League for this season to be remembered in any positive way by fans. I thought you were going to say you should remember that game in 2013 because you would have written about written about it an awful lot ahead of the, the 2018 final with Jurgen Klopp having, of course, been no, in I the- probably did that as well. I can't remember what I did yesterday. Don't ask me what I did in 2018. Uh, fair enough. All right. Um, <laughs> Joe, Joe, in terms of like the, the, the no-fans thing then, it's maybe more emphasis on Thiago. I know we've spoken a bit about him, him and the impact he could have in the Champions League, but maybe that control needed and that. I know he's not got experience of playing in games without fans, no one has done that before the, the last year. But is this now really the, the time and the moment for him to step up and show the quality to as to why he was brought to Liverpool? Yeah, I think that goes for everyone, really. They, they need to set, step up and show the quality that has made them so good in seasons gone by. And, you know, I, again, I, we spoke about Thiago on a pod earlier this week, and I do think there's been some unfair finger pointing in his direction because he's new. And you think no, nobody's particularly played well um, all season, and why, why would you point the finger solely at him? Um, you know, but that's being said, he, he was he was much better, I thought, in the, in the second Leipzig game the other day, and much better for having um, Fabinho alongside him in midfield. And if Liverpool can find the right balance in midfield, then you know that that's one of the strongest areas of the team. So, you know, yeah, I think the owners will be on him. We know how much class he's got, um, and he knows all about Real Madrid as well, doesn't he? So. I think it would be very special for him. But again, I just think it's a chance for Liverpool to go out there and, as Doyle said before, they'll want to beat Real Madrid. It, 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 it still means a lot to these players, and especially with the recent history. And I think they'll all have a point to prove. So, you know, for individual reasons. So it'll be interesting. You know, you think about Salah and the Ramos and whether Salah can really have the bit between his teeth. I always remember in, in the 4-0 win over Real Madrid it, from the word go, it felt like Torres really had something to prove to Real Madrid that night. and He really took it to them. And if you could get a performance like that out of Salah, that would go some way to deciding the tie. You know, all the players need to approach it with that sort of mindset. Yeah, maybe if Liverpool do get through to, to the semi-final, David, and head into that second leg at Stamford Bridge and all of a sudden they have Jordan Henderson leading them out, that could also be another huge boost, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we've we've talked about this before that, that really that's the only sort of big selection issue that, that Jurgen Klopp's gonna have at any point over the remainder of the season. He's the only big player who's got to come back from injury before this, this season's over. So I think if they can get themselves in a position where they're getting him back for at some point in the semi final, if you can just get themselves through against Real Madrid, that would be just such a huge boost, wouldn't it, to have your captain back. I think a difficult decision then for Jurgen over where does he play him in terms of you know do you move Fabinho back do you move Jordan back into centre centre half it's that would be a tough one but but to just have another top top class player coming back into your side it will be massive and then you know you're looking on paper then Liverpool's Liverpool's first team sheet then will 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 look very very strong and a team that that possibly could win the Champions League so you know that that would be just a, a huge boost in terms of belief for everyone as well so. Hopefully he can he can be back soon. I heard anything recently about what the timescale is looking like, but yeah, it would be would be nice to get him back as soon as possible. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Liverpool sort of now with a, a fairly extended period without a game doily due to the the international break, but England squad announcement given yesterday by Gareth Southgate and no Liverpool players in there, no Trent Alexander Arnold, and that one sort of seemed to cause a, a bit of a stir. 
Well, rightly so. I mean, if it's England's best, if, sorry, if he's the best right back in England, why is he not in an England squad that's got you know the likes of Eric Dyer and players like that in? It just doesn't seem to to make a lot of sense until you then look at it from an actual England point of view. And what's happened here is something that's been coming for the past two, three years. They've never really known what to do with him. They don't know how to play him. They don't know where to play him. And the fact that perhaps there are... Um, how can I word this? He says, if you look at English coaching staff, there are obviously people in Gareth Southgate's ear. And I think that they've obviously got preferences for some players that they would rather see playing. And I think he's gone along with that. And, the, and you can't argue with it in the sense that can you name any decent games that Trent's played for England? Can you name any games that Trent's played for England? I think he's only had something like 16 or 17 caps. He hasn't really made an impact for his country, partly because he's not been able to, because he's not been allowed to. And when you've got people like, I think it was Gary Lineker and Gary Neville, you know, Gary Neville, you know, probably England's best right back since before um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, in, in, certainly in the last 30 years. And he's saying like, well, this doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Well, it doesn't to those looking on the outside, but I'm pretty sure from inside the England camp, they're probably thinking, well, what did you, you know, we've got Kieran Trippier, we've got Kyle Walker, as I say, we've got Reese James as well. You know, these are players who, Trent wasn't in the squad last time because he was injured, and I'm pretty sure those three were in it, and England did okay. So Gareth Southgate's just gone with the players that he's got. I think, look at it now, and you think, well, unless one of those gets injured, Trent's got absolutely no chance of making the Euros because there are really no other squads before that. So I think while Liverpool fans are thinking, oh, great, we haven't got any players in the England squad because obviously Henderson's injured, Oxlade-Chamberlain hasn't really been featuring. For Trent, he'll be absolutely gutted. He must be gutted. I mean, he, he, you know, the players want to play for England and I think the fans sometimes forget that. They want to play for the country. It's still a massive honour. They want to play in a World Cup because, you know, 40, 50 years down the line, if someone does something in the World Cup, they'll always get remembered for it. You know, so... In that respect, you know, Trent will be would probably be quite rightly thinking, well, I've just got to, you know, keep me form. You know, he has done better. Yeah, I mean, let's be let's be perfectly honest here. He, Scarus Southgate was right when he said that he's not been very good for large parts of the season, and we know why that is. There are certain reasons for it. But and he, but he's also right in saying the last couple of weeks Trent's been a lot better. At Wolves, I thought defensively he played very well. The number of times he got on the, you know, at the far post, you could tell that Wolves were kind of not so much targeting him, but they were thinking that's a possible weak point. And they were playing balls to the far post and Trent was getting a, a little touch on it or a little head on it. And that's the kind of thing that he, you know, it's the basics that perhaps some defenders don't like to do. And, and Trent's been guilty in the past of perhaps thinking up, thinking too much on in terms of an attacking sense, not getting back. But I think he's got the, you know, the fundamentals are back in his game, certainly as a right back. So I don't think that's a problem. And I, but I, the only way Southgate let him down is when he said Kieran Tripp has been playing very well for his club. He's missed 10 games. Because he was banned, he kind of been playing. They, you know, okay, he didn't make any mistakes because he didn't do anything. Full stop. So, I think it's a case of. I mean, how's Trent now? Is he twenty two now? He's twenty two, isn't he? So, you know, Southgate himself said we, he's one for the future, kind of thing, and he will be because he'll be back in the squad at some point. But Liverpool just have to hope that it doesn't affect Trent in a negative way because he'll have assumed, like I think the club had assumed, that he would get called up. So. He'll get a little bit of a break now, and maybe that'll benefit Liverpool in the short term. But hopefully, it won't affect him in terms of his, his mentality, and he'll he'll be have a point to prove, like so many other players have to try and get back in that squad. Joe, do you think he's a victim of the system, both sort of club and country, in this respect? In terms of England, so often play 
with wing backs, Trent doesn't play that role for England. Both Trippier and Reese James have been doing that for, mm-hmm. for their clubs as well. But also with Liverpool, the fact that so much onus is on the fullbacks to create and go forward, that the kind of the, the midfield is built around them. Whereas you look at England's midfield players, they're not going to build a, a midfield around fullbacks, are they, really? If you, you kind of look at all the attacking talent that Gareth Southgate's being sort of suggested that he should be picking in his team. Yeah, absolutely. I think Tony's right. I just think Southgate doesn't really fancy him. And look, apart from the fact that I really couldn't care less about England, and we <laughs> have to discuss the them. Players do, Joe. The players do. Focus. The players do, but I don't really care for England's tactics or players or squad or anything. Or fans. Yeah. Or fans <laughs> or uh, population. Honestly, yeah, I really don't yeah. care. But, <laughs> I honestly really don't, and um, I don't think our listeners do, guy either. To be fair, first. But anyway, um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I just think managers have to make decisions, don't they? Let, let's let's look back at you know. I always used to think you know that you had the, the Gerard Lampard debate years ago, and I always just thought a manager should have just picked one of them and gone with it, rather than mm. worried about trying to get them both into the same team. And you know, it's it's the same now, is it? You know, earlier in his career, I remember Carragher couldn't get in the England team, and even when remember Ledley King would get in there ahead of him, even when. You know, other players weren't fit and it was harsh, but it was just the manager's decision and Southgate clearly doesn't fancy friends. He hasn't really played a lot under him before, as Tony said, hasn't got too many caps. Um, and judging by what he's done when Liverpool and he have been playing well, I'm not also I'm not really surprised that he's not got in there when Liverpool and him aren't particularly playing as well as they could. So, um, yeah, that's, that's it really. And who cares really about England? They're playing San Marino. <laughs> Yeah, no, no I, take, I take your point on it, as you say, the, the not caring perspective, but there has been a, an awful lot of comment raised around it all. But David, on that then, I suppose Liverpool can only look at it as, well, it's one more player who's not going to be getting injured over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think, I, I, I doubt anyone at Liverpool will be absolutely delighted that he's been left out in the sense that, you know, like Doyley says, the, the players want to play for England for some reason. And um, yeah, I think... He will be upset about the fact that he's been left out, particularly with the tournament around the corner, and he'll think, you know, this is really damaging for his chances of making that squad. But like you say, it, it, it could be a positive. I think just having these weeks now to sort of, you know, he, he will be at Melwood at, at Kirby in, in training, and you know, so it won't be a complete time off. But um, it, you know, it's a it's an, a, a time to recharge, really, isn't it? And sort of, you know, get some energy back in the legs because this has been a really testing season. He's still still a really young player. We sort of forget that because of the quality of his performances um, when he's when he's absolutely flying. Um, he's still the young player and he's played a lot of football. So to not just have relentless games and to not be travelling with England will probably be a good thing. And I think his form has recovered in the last few weeks. And I think, again, what Doyle said about his performance at Wolves in particular, I thought was very good. It, you know, Neto is a very dangerous player, but he kept him completely quiet and still contributed in it going forward as well, like he always does. So uh, that shows how good of a player he is. And, and so to have a little bit of a rest in him and, and come back and, and hopefully build on that form towards the end of the season and a, and a run to the Champions League final in Istanbul is um, is probably a positive for Liverpool. So, um, yeah, I think he won't be seeing it as a positive right now, but I think it can be for Liverpool and for, for their chances this season. Yeah, just one last point on him, Doyle, in terms of him trying to get into the to the England squad, though. We know how much talent they've got right back and the options they've got. I just wonder, we, we often talk about him eventually moving into midfield. Liverpool, uh, sorry, England don't have a great deal of depth in, in central midfield. Do you think there's more chance he'd get picked in that kind of role with 
with England, or do you just think, as you said before, he's just got no chance of of now getting into that Euro squad? Well, I think unless somebody gets injured, he's got no chance of getting in. Simple as that. He's not going to go in midfield. If you can't play him at right back or, or on the right wing where he's played his entire senior career, he's not going to go and put him in midfield, is he? So that's not going to happen. And I don't think, I mean, whether you care about England or not, it is in some ways irrelevant to what Trent thinks. As Lynch, you said, you know, Liverpool won't be too happy because it might impact on the player in terms of, you know, the way that he's feeling and just at a time when things were looking up for him. So they would rather that didn't happen. But what was the question? <laughs> no, no, you already answered that. I said, could he go, could he go in midfield for England? Oh, no, he's got no, 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 that would just be, I mean, I, to be fair, I actually mentioned it on Twitter yesterday and I said, you know, perhaps he could use England as a, as a chance to move into midfield. And I had some people didn't quite get the reference that I was actually just taking the piddle a little bit about the strength of the England team. But, you know, they were saying, why is England the testing ground for Liverpool? I didn't bother replying to them. <laughs> I would, I would say, actually, on, on this is that I think, I think if, if Southgate's selection had come at a point where Trent wasn't particularly playing well, so a few weeks prior to, to now, um, you could probably understand it a little bit more. But the idea that it's the two that are ahead of him that is the thing that I least understand about this selection. So, like Doily says, Trippier's hardly played because he's been banned. And Reese James hasn't been an absolute nailed-on starter for Chelsea since Tuchel came in anyway. Um, you know, he's tried Callum Hudson-Odoi at right wing-back and, and he hasn't really settled on who his first choice in that position is either. So, the idea that these two are even on paper a better player than Trent Alexander-Arnold is complete nonsense and they're also not in better form. So, it's just, from that point of view, it's completely inexplicable. But if... If the manager doesn't fancy you, and that that seemingly is the case, given his recent selection decisions in that position, he never really seemed to know what to do with Alexander Arnold. Then there's nothing you can really do about that. I think Trent's just got to use this as, as sort of motivation to go forward and prove them wrong, and he, and he will because he's he's England's best right back by a million miles, and the idea of him not being in the squad is is a joke as far as I'm concerned. I can imagine the other country managed countries managers ago saw that squad and was like, hang on, what? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 England don't have that many world-class players, and there's one of them, and you're not playing him. I mean, it's it's for old people like me. It's it's kind of the John Barnes situation all over again, really, uh, where he wasn't used properly for England, and we all saw how good he was for Liverpool. Yeah, and hopefully, long may that continue. That Liverpool benefit and England don't do so well with obviously not picking the the Liverpool players. But Doyle, a couple of weeks now without a game, you're going to be lost this weekend, aren't you? You're not going to to watch Liverpool wherever. Yeah, I'm delighted. I'm, I'm delighted. I'm off for two weeks after today. I couldn't care less. <laughs> well, well, last year it's been absolutely chocker. Pretty much two games a week all the time. Now you got yourself a, a bit of rest. You make sure you enjoy it, mate. And we'll yeah, I'll, I'll go up to the pub. Oh, hang on. I'll go for. I'll go to the. Oh, hang on. Yeah, I'll go. On, oh, hang on. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll just not be doing any work for two weeks, which will be a joy for all my colleagues as well. Yeah. <laughs> well. Thanks, Dolly. We look forward to uh, catching up with you in a couple of weeks then after you've been away and got yourself a nice suntan in your uh, your back garden in St. Helens. But anyway, <laughs> that's, uh, that's it from us here on this edition of the Blood Red Podcast. Make sure you check out the Liverpool Echo for all the latest Liverpool news and do sign up for the twice-daily newsletter, uh, which will be in the description of this podcast. But from myself, Guy Clark, David Lynch, Joe Rimmer and Ian Doyle, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.